That was amazing. Oh, I love that. Well, welcome to Good Shepherd. We are so glad you're here today with us. Didn't Caleb do an amazing job? Just amazing, amazing. I love it. I, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little prejudiced. I love it when my students are up here. <laughs> and I love it when we have kiddos going to be leading us in worship today, too. But I also know that holidays like today can be a little tricky for us. And so I want to share with you this liturgy. Let us praise those fathers who have striven to balance the demands of work, marriage, and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. Let us praise those fathers who, lacking a good role model for a father, have worked to become a good father. Let us praise those fathers who, by their own account, were not always there for their children, but who continue to offer these children now, grown up, their love and support. Let us pray for those fathers who have been wounded by neglect and hostility with their children. Let us praise the fathers who, despite divorce, have remained in their children's lives. Let us praise those fathers whose children are adopted and whose love and support has offered healing. Let us praise those fathers who, as stepfathers, freely chose the obligation of fatherhood and earned their stepchildren's love and respect. Let us praise the fathers who have lost a child to death and continue to hold that child in their heart. Let us praise those men who have no children but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. Let us praise those who have fathered us in roles as mentors and guides. Let us praise those men who are about to become fathers. May they be openly delighted in their children. And let us praise those fathers who have died, but live on in our memory, and whose love continues to nurture us. Holidays can be tough and tricky, and we want to celebrate with those who, want, who are celebrating, but we also want to acknowledge that it isn't easy for all of us. And so on this Father's Day, we want to hold that space. But speaking of celebrating, we will be celebrating after the second service. We have a burger truck that's coming. We have a water slide. There's a dad dunk tank. So you're going to want to stick around. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, so please um, stick around. You can stay for, there's a, a uh, small group that happens during the second service if you're wanting to still stay on campus or just come on back. We're going to have so much fun today. And another thing we wanted to celebrate is we have a birthday and an anniversary. So we are celebrating Carol Benstead. Her birthday, she is turning 86 years old. Happy birthday, Carol. We also want to celebrate Al and Shirley Masterson, uh, 54 years together. How exciting. I don't want to go without mentioning, you probably walked past a table coming in today. 
and it had a lot of goodies and a lot of baked goods. So yesterday, our church hosted a car wash and bake sale for Noah Bragg and his family. And we wanted to share that, those same baked goods with you today. So if you would like to donate, there was a bucket on that table that goes directly to Noah and his family um, for, to cover a lot of his medical costs and also to cover his wish list. And we would be so happy if you would join in in that way and giving towards such a really, really sweet guy. Um, if you were here yesterday, it was a really sweet moment. And I just want to share with you, I, I overheard a conversation um, that someone was having, and they said, isn't this the kingdom of God? We're going to be talking about that later, but what a beautiful expression that we got to express that yesterday. And so we're just so grateful you're here today, and let's continue in worship.
Good morning. Let me add my Father's Day greetings to the fathers here in the sanctuary and also those that are joining us online this morning. I'm honored to read uh, the prayer of confession this morning. You'll see it in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Gracious Lord, loving Savior, and Holy Spirit, forgive us. We have not devoted ourselves to your teaching. We have not devoted ourselves to fellowship. We have not devoted ourselves to the breaking of bread and the shedding of your blood. We see signs and wonders around us, but we do not recognize them. We don't begin to know how to have everything in common. We do not break bread in our homes, glad and sincere hearts. We often fail to praise God. We do not have the favor of all the people. We do not see God adding to our number those being saved. Forgive us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The most common expressions of forgiveness are found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. And also Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. So the good news is God has forgiven us.
is a song that could get stuck in my head for a long time. Man, what a blessing it is to be in worship together today. We now turn our attention to our time for young disciples. And so I want to invite Pastor Joy up this morning because we have a fun thing we're doing. You can go ahead and pull up that first slide, which is Celebration Sunday. This is a Sunday every Sunday that comes around where Joy and I get to really celebrate just our students and what's going on in their lives. And one of the first things that's just been a long-standing tradition is that we give our uh, kiddos Bibles. And so these are some of our kids that will be receiving Bibles today. Um, we are going to do a lot of this uh, receiving of Bibles in our second service while we have lots of our families there. Um, so these are some of the kids that will receive Bibles today. There is Emily and Blake. Both of them are in the children's choir, so they'll be here today. <laughs> Abigail and Maya, Brooklyn and Cece, Charlotte, Beckett, Anna, Noah, Harper, Reese, and Victoria. So we're going to pray over those Bibles before we hand them out. But this is just so you can see some of those faces that we get to know and just love. We're also going to be celebrating our fifth graders who will be promoting into sixth grade. And so here are these students. There is Avery and Chase Harrison, Molly, Decker, Daniel, and Ace, Wendy, Bryn, Sierra, Evelyn, Devin, and Billy. And we're going to be highlighting our eighth graders that are going to high school. I was writing their notes and I kept thinking about how every one of them throughout this year, I kept hearing them say, just can't wait to be in high school. They finally made it. Um, so we're honoring Eli and Aaron and Ethan, James, Elias, and Kale that are heading to high school. What a great opportunity. I've also heard a lot of stress that comes with that. So please be in prayer for our eighth graders as they head to high school. We're also honoring some of our high school graduates. Um, we have Bobby, Liz, Ashley, and Tristan, um, who are among our community. And we're just so grateful. All of them are actually graduated from Los Al. So it's, a, it's actually unique that all of them are the same same high school. And we're also honoring other graduates, um, whether it is a master's degree or a bachelor's degree, Chloe, Duke, William, and Kaylee, um, as they head into this new chapter of their lives as being adults. So we're just so grateful that they are a part of our community and we get to celebrate them today. So go ahead and give it up for them. That's right. We want to really encourage you to come on back today at noon to get to know these kids and to celebrate with them all that is going on in their life. Um, but before we do that, would you guys please repeat after me as we pray together for our kids. Dear God, thank you for one another. Thank you for the gift of church. That through this place, we get to know each other. Help us. Help us. Get to know each other well. Get to know each other well. And love each other. Love each other. The way you have loved us. The way you have loved us. We pray especially. We pray especially. For the kids who will be receiving Bibles. The kids who will be receiving Bibles. That your word. That your word. Would take root deep in their heart. Would take root deep in their heart. And help them, help them to believe, to believe your, words as truth. your words as truth. 
We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We now have an awesome children's choir. Great job, friends. I now want to invite Wendy Melanson up, one of our graduating fifth graders, to lead us in this morning's exchange of blessing. Oh, I want to mention it's different, so read the words, not just assume. (laughs) The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And his understanding no one can fathom. May the peace of Christ be with you. As you remain in worship, may you experience a God who has invited you to share the good news of the gospel with all those you meet. Let us continue by turning to our neighbor and welcoming them into worship today.
Good morning. I was back in the North 40 talking to folks, and I forgot that I was doing church life. <laughs> hey, I, I just want to say something right up at the start. Um, uh, Bing got an email the other day asking for a gift card from me, um, and, and it came from an entirely different email address, um, and, and I think this is a, basically a, a plot to try to, you know, basically try to get people and so if you've got something like that just totally ignore it um you know but we just wanted to make sure that we we say that okay <laughs> um and then <laughs> yeah i know it was just it's so frustrating I, I had that happen at at uh, bonham when i was there and i had it happen at, at edmund when i was there and and i'm sure it's happened to others as well here curtis i'm sure it happened to as well so Anyway, um, we also wanted to just say um, there's an opportunity for you, if you're, if you're new this morning, we'd love for you to uh, tear off this and, and share your information with us as much as you'd like to. Uh, but there's also an opportunity here uh, for all of us uh, to offer prayer requests. And so we'd love for you to do that uh, if you have a prayer request uh, for any, any issue that's happening in, in your life. Uh, we'd love to pray for you and do that in confidentiality. So before we receive the offering now, we just want to um, uh, th- thank God for all of the, the opportunities that we have to give, whether it's online or in person or in the offering plate. But we're just we're grateful for all that God has done for us and all that God is doing in us and through us. So let's give thanks to God through the receipt of our tithes and offerings.
Please be seated. And let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we, uh, we know some of the issues with which some people are struggling, but we don't know all of them. Uh, we, we thank you that you know that you are present in each and every life, that each one of us is created in your image, that you know, that you see, and that you care. We, got, we pray for anyone who is hurting or suffering or in pain, uh, for anyone who has any one of a number of illnesses, we pray, God, that you would uh, come to them, be with them, be present with them, be for them. We pray that those who are rejoicing um, would rejoice that they would celebrate, that they would lift up their eyes to you, the giver of every good and beautiful thing. And we trust that you understand that we can mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice and celebrate with those who celebrate. So thank you, God. Thank you that you are, you hold all of us together in the palm of your hand, that you are for us and not against us. We especially lift up to you our Lord Jesus Christ who became that fully human and fully God expression of you here on earth. And we celebrate his life, his death, and his resurrection and our hope for the release of the power of the Holy Spirit into us. And we pray all of this now joining together in the words that you taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's uh, reading of scripture before Joy reads the scripture from Acts 2, is from John uh, chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So ends the reading of the Lord's word. Thanks be to God. So we kick off our new series, Here As It Is In Heaven, this morning. The next 12 weeks, we will think about how Jesus has changed our lives so much that we can live in a way that transforms our community around us. I'm so glad you've decided to join us on this journey. Um, Our prayer as pastors is that you would feel challenged and inspired. Um, Sorry, we would feel challenged and inspired, not just you, all of us together. Challenged and inspired and to lead and to love others around us. But before we dive in, I want to tell you what this series is not about. This series isn't about expediting Jesus' return, as if if we get it all right, he'll come sooner. This is not what this series is about. Rather, it's about not waiting until heaven to experience the kingdom. In Hebrews 11, the writer shares with us about all of these people, the hall of faith, men and women in the Old Testament who followed God. And he says this about them. If they were thinking of a country that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is one of my favorite verses when I was growing up. But I think in order for us to dive into this series, we must first understand our citizenship is in heaven. You and I were made for heaven. We don't have to wait, though. God desires to use us as his instruments to bring that kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is marked by setting captives free, by lifting up those who are oppressed and poor. When Jesus walked this earth, he was about those things. He was setting captives free, whether it was physical or emotional or mental captives. He went on his way to lift up those who were oppressed, whether it was those who were sick, diseased, people who weren't Jewish, and women. He took the time to give them space. If we are the people of God, we too should be about that business. And that's what our series is about. God has changed our lives so much that we want to share that same love with those around us, with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's exciting stuff. I'm very excited for this new series. And so for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit. We had a whole series on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to continue in Acts 2 today. Because the first thing we must do as a community 
of Jesus' followers is we must be unified in our mission. So let's look at Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. It says this about the early believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So if you're like me, you read this passage and you get excited. You're like, oh, this is so exciting. I want to be a part of that church. And then maybe you stop and you think, man, I'm frustrated. Why isn't our church like that? Right? We have this, this, this both ways, right? We get excited, but we're all like, why can't it be like that? And I could dig more into this passage today. Um, and I could share with you the four expressions of the church, the early church. Um, but I want to encourage you to do that on your own, to dig into those four expressions, maybe grab coffee with someone, talk through it. Um, but the one thing that God has put on my heart as I prepared for this sermon for months is verses 43 and 44. I love how the message version puts this verse. It says, everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. I'm sure you've seen a team where each player is out for themselves. Maybe they're the only ones who are shooting the three-pointers, or they don't pass the ball uh, to their other teammates because they don't trust them. Or maybe you've experienced this at your work, uh, where there isn't a shared mission, a shared vision, and everyone's just out for themselves. If we at Good Shepherd are serious about living in harmony and holding everything in common, we should do that so well that the world around us says, how does that even work? How can they all be on the same team and striving for the same goal? One question that I've been wrestling with is what does harmony or unity look like? Does it look like tug of war? Does it look like Red Rover? How many of you guys played Red Rover? I was thinking about this and how dangerous that was, you know? The, the, the unity wasn't like, I love my buddy next to me. It's like, I don't want that other person on my team. That's what brought you together, right? That was a vicious game. But the picture that God brought to mind was actually whitewater rafting. Um, if you've ever been whitewater rafting, this is actually a picture of some of our students. Um, I felt like you couldn't see their faces enough, so I thought that was okay for me to share with you guys. But we took this trip last year, and um, I'd never gone before. So we have a guide, right? And she tells you everything about the safety of the raft. 
But the most important thing is for you to know which side you're on, right? Are you on the left side of the raft or are you on the right side of the raft? Why? Because when you're going through all of those white water raft, white water rapids, right? You gotta know which side you're on because she'll start screaming, left, you need to paddle backwards and right, you need to paddle forward, right? And you have to know where you're at. And I thought to myself, how is that unity? It's, it's a bunch of people doing something different and yet there's unity in that. There's something so beautiful. When I was on that trip with the kids, I thought, this is so amazing. We all work together with our own gifts and worked as a team. So as we dig deeper into the idea of unity, it's more about being joined as a whole than everybody doing the same thing. I often tell my youth, unity doesn't equal uniformity. Of all of the visuals that God flooded my mind with as I prepared for today, what he gave me was a picture of a table. This is one we're going to sit at a bit together today. If you're here in person, uh, you might have noticed that the communion table, minus the microphones that I don't know how appeared, um, is, is decorated differently today. Um, I have a picture that you can kind of see if you're in the back or if you're online. I wanted you to also be a part of this experience. I snapped this photo because I wanted to create a table that was a visual for us together. If the end in mind is a banquet table with all languages, all ethnic backgrounds, all different generations of people coming together around a table, if that's the end goal, then we best be practicing now. I have a picture that Carol, who is our director of senior ministry, she shared this with me as I was telling her about what I was going to be preaching on. It's by Hyatt Moore, and it's this beautiful picture of what we believe heaven is gonna look like. All languages, all ethnic backgrounds, different generations of people coming together around a table. Today's table in front of you today is, is eclectic. Nothing matches, and it honestly bothers me. Um, <laughs> and it makes me feel a little itchy that everything doesn't match. But brothers and sisters, if we're about the kingdom of heaven here on earth, then we best get used to it. I almost think that this isn't correct. Like, we have this that goes with this, but maybe it should go with this. Maybe it should go with the Indian set, and that should go with the Chinese set. And, you know, I, I feel like we don't even need to have everything matching because that's not, that's not what heaven looks like. It's not everybody has their own plate that they're used to. It's, it's everyone together at a banquet feast. It's not about these dishes, right? It's about a, a shared culture that we can have together in heaven and here on earth. Sitting down at a meal is a huge commitment. I'm sure you have thought to yourself, well, I like that person, but do I want to eat with them? That's a time commitment. That takes a lot, right, to sit down at a meal together. 
Maybe some of you grew up around a dining room table with your family. Every evening, you sat down and you had amazing conversations. Maybe you also grew up with having family dinners and instead of having amazing conversations, it started to end in shouting matches and people leaving the table. But I know that there's also those of you who didn't grow up around a family table, that it was rare in your house. Maybe you were the one who was caring for younger siblings, and so there was never a moment where your whole family was together. Whatever it is, my invitation to you today is to join a table that's going to be just as messy, but instead of coming together because you are related biologically or legally, we're coming together because we're related by Jesus. You see, when we recite the Lord's Prayer, which we did today, we say two words, our Father. And in that moment, we are saying, we're all siblings. We're all in this together. For some of us, that might be repulsive, right? Maybe you've never met your father or you wish you never met him. The pain that you experienced at the hand of your father taints your feelings around that word, father. Even days like today, maybe, are tainted because of that experience. But for some of you, the word brings back bittersweet memories of a father that you loved and loved you well. I want to acknowledge that today. While others in this room are also excited for their Father's Day plans and celebrating their dad today. We all have our own emotions around the word Father. But if we are family, what does that look like? If each of us has a place at this table, this blood-stained table with Jesus' blood that brought us together, what does it mean to be united around a family table? First off, very clear, there is no kids' table, right? We do not inherit our faith. There are no grandkids in God's family. We are brothers and sisters. No matter our age, we are all on the same level. I often wonder what age we'll be when we are in heaven. I'm really hoping that we're all kids. That would be so much fun. Um, and I mean, if, if we're all going to be single in heaven and there's no marriage, we might as well have the time of our lives as kids. That's what I think. Um, as you can tell, I'm living for heaven. But in his, in his book, um, How We Love Matters, Albert Tate says this. He says, we are united by our love for Christ. And so we are united together, an unexpected family that is beautiful and expresses the manifest, God, manifest love of Jesus Christ and the diversity of God's children. Of course, we have to be aware that as beautiful as this family is, it's marked with tension. When all kinds of people from different backgrounds come together, it can get unpredictable. I mean, even if you grew up in a family where family dinners turned into shouting matches, you know the similarities don't mean that we all get along. Jesus knew there was something so beautiful 
about diversity. His own followers were men and women from so many different backgrounds and so many different belief systems. Think for a second with me about men and women. Our brains are far more alike than they are different. But where they are different, they are very different. But what does that tell us? That tells us that we were created to live in community with people who are different than us. We were created to create with people who are different. This is the table that we were made for. So since we've settled, I hope, that we are meant for this table, let's ask the question of how do we sit at this table? Because we all know it's one thing to have a seat at a table, and it's another for someone to create space or hold space for you at that table. What do our table conversations look like? And what does it mean to hold space for others? What does it look like in a community with others who believe differently than us? What does it mean to show up for our brothers and sisters in conversations of dynamics of privilege, historical racism, institutional injustice? To have conversations with our brothers and sisters in a loving and open way. What does it mean to set aside our assumptions and hear other people's stories? I want to share this story that Albert Tate shared in his book, again, that same book, How We Love Matters. What a great book. I'm, I'm just loving it. And he tells a story of two men, Jason and Derek. Both of these men live here in California. but They have very different belief systems, experiences, and views. Yet those two men were in a small group. Probably you're thinking, it's like my small group. We got different views in my small group. But after a heated conversation on the treatment of police and on young, uh, treatment of police on young black men, Jason had enough. Jason said you can, he no longer wanted to be in community with people who opposed the police. But the most wonderful thing happened. Derek wouldn't have it. He asked Jason to lunch. And he said this to him. Are we doing life together? Are you my brother? Are we called to love each other? Before Jason could respond, Derek went on, if that is all true, then don't you ever pull this again. You're my brother, and you don't get up and leave the table because you don't like some decision we made at the church or because your siblings are expressing pain and frustration you don't agree with. No, we sit at a table, and we have these hard conversations, and we love each other. So don't bring this to me again. I love you, and I ain't going anywhere. I love that story. We can often assume that those who look like us think like us, believe like us, and grow up like us. But that's not true. We are all so different in this room. What does it mean for us to have those conversations, to actually hear each other's stories? 
During the time we were all required to be in our homes, COVID, uh, topics were often talked about and hushed tones were brought to light in the worldwide and the national stage. Stories of pain, of systematic aggression, blatant racism were no longer hidden. But maybe that was uncomfortable. As the body of Christ, we quickly learned that we had brothers and sisters who were in deep pain that they had never shared with us, feeling overlooked and oppressed, often asked to assimilate to a culture to, be, to fit in or to be loved or accepted. Tomorrow, Juneteenth, marks a major date in American history as the realization of justice deferred of many African Americans. Other Emancipation Proclamation became law in January 1863. It was not enforced in the places that the Confederates had control. It was not until June 19, 1962, that approximately 250,000 Texan slaves finally learned that the Civil War had ended and their justice and their freedom had been secured by the government two and a half years prior. What does it mean for us to sit at a table with those who feel the pain of being free but feeling like they're still in bondage? To listen to their stories with curiosity and care. While many of our families probably taught us what it's like to live in community with people who are different, the church should be the place where we are, where in a world where we are divided in categories and we're always divided by our differences, the church should be the place that we are joined together by our similarities. We're all human. We're all children of the King. We are all loved by God. Single or married, divorced or widowed, infant, child, youth, young adult, adult-ish, seniors, full of wisdom, needing guidance. We all have a chair at this table with our name on it. So take your seat and put a chair for someone else. This unity was so important to Jesus. Before his death, we find him praying on our behalf in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was in the passage that Pastor Dave read. Jesus said this. He said, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as I loved you, have loved me. Like the early church, our sense of community and our love for others should leave the world around us confused <laughs> and hopefully in awe of God's love. They know Jesus is the only way people like this could come together. People from every ethnicity, language, experience, generation, sitting around a table praising Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to wait till heaven. And I would argue we shouldn't wait till heaven, or it might be quite the culture shock. The early Christians in Acts 2 saw themselves as a single family. 
even as a biological family would share shelter and food and money, they did the same thing. So what does it mean to sit in community with each other? Community life is not an optional thing for us who follow Jesus. You can't just say, you know what, I love Jesus. I read my Bible. But you know that community thing, it just isn't for me. It's a basic aspect of Christianity. The early church enjoyed each other's company, and they broke stereotypes that religious people couldn't have fun. How amazing is that? I'm so glad they broke that stereotype, right? They, they had everything in common. The early church had everything in common. Their emotional problems, what was going on in their lives, everything was in common. Let's take a moment to take that in. While professional counselors and psychiatrists are a gift from God, that he uses to help us as we live in this broken world. The church community is where the best healing can happen. It can also be where we have our greatest wounds. I understand that, talking from experience. But I also know it's where we can be healed. And I know that you here at Good Shepherd are a part of a lot of people's healing journeys. The way that you have loved others has healed them. Maybe they haven't said that to you, but I know that for a fact in my own, that you have been a part of that healing journey. Community is, it's a fun idea, right? It's great, like, oh yeah, we want to live in unity, we want to do that, that sounds great, Joy. But I want to get practical as we end today. I want to encourage you this week, to invite someone to a meal, or to coffee, or to tea. Not so that you can tell them your story, but to listen with curiosity and care for theirs. Maybe even look around this room and see someone that maybe you're missing. We're missing them today. Or maybe someone who disagrees with you. Oh, that's if you're being brave, right? Reach out to someone. Maybe they've hurt you. Extend an invitation. Or maybe, as I've been sharing with you today, God has already put someone on your heart. He's already put a name in your head that that's the person I need to have a conversation with. Here as it is in heaven. Jesus has loved us so well. So what does that mean as a congregation to love others so well in that same exact way? We're going to sing a song in a couple seconds. Um, it's the hymn of heaven. I love this song because it starts with the idea of, oh, heaven, that's such an amazing thing that's coming. And then at the end we realize, why are we waiting? Let's sing that song today, here as it is in heaven. Let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful that you call us to this table. You call us to a table where we are all different. We come from different backgrounds, different places in the world. And yet you call us to have unity and to love each other deeply. 
God, would we be about caring deeply for one another? Would we hold space for others at this table and have hard conversations? Because we know that that's what you want. You want this unity between all of us to be the light that shines in our community. So God, would your kingdom come here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. How I long to breathe the air of heaven But pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who lived to save me And walk with him for all eternity
And so, brothers and sisters, may we understand how deep, how wide, and how long God's love is for us. And would that then lead us to live in unity and to love those around us with that same love. Go in peace.